Hey, Nikki. Hey, Selena. And hello, everyone, and welcome to Sweet Tea and TV. Hey, y'all. So here we are. We're at, where are we? We're in season five. We're in season five. Are you ready to talk about it? I sound like ready to get into New Orleans. I thought we were in New Orleans. I thought that's where we were going today. I just got really sad. (laughs) I just need like a cafe au lait in one hand. A pile of beignets in the other. With like a little steam coming off of oh, them. that would be so nice. With the powdered sugar just melting on your mouth. With a poor server who you just feel like has put up with a whole lot for a whole long time and is ready to murder everyone. That was the vibe I got <sighs> off of everyone there. That yeah. was so nice. And the <laughs> scent of urine wafting through your nose from being there. Pigeons everywhere. <laughs> There's a couple of things where it gets a little something, but I'm... St- Let's go back to the steam right coming now. off the bed. Off the so speaking of uh new orleans let's blame it on new orleans let's do it i blame it on new orleans that we're here right now i blame you it know on somebody somebody's fault <laughs> so designing women online's summary of this episode is while in new orleans for design expo mary joe gives into a long-standing flirtation with a gentleman acquaintance and is discovered nope and is devastated to later discover he's married air date march 4th 1991 we're calling this one Bopping Off to the Big Easy. It was written by D. LaDuke and Mark Alton Brown and directed by David Trainer. I just wanted to give you something. <laughs> I wish I had some of that New Orleans music, like Zydeco band music or something. Whatever I did is like the opposite. It's okay, that, it felt like we were in a stadium. Maybe we were in the stadium where the Saints play. Maybe. Yeah. Superdome. Yeah. I was thinking more like like a like a DJ. Oh, kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Also, uh-huh. not really in line with New Orleans music, to be honest. Yeah. So, you really, you really crapped the bed on that one, Selena. Sorry, you have time to redeem yourself. What general reactions do you have? Sorry. Well, with this one, it was putting me in the mind of Maybe Baby, which we covered recently, mm-hmm. because for some, this might be the one where Mary Jo sleeps with a married man. But I bet my bottom dollar that many people. Maybe even most people would say it's the one where Suzanne goes toe to toe with a female impersonator. Oh. And it all happens in like the last five seconds of the show. Yeah. But it really cements in your mind. Yeah. You know, that's my very first one. How about you? So it's funny you say that because I actually, I've watched this episode. I watched it in pre-watch earlier this season. We're getting to the point where I haven't watched the last few episodes. I'm just going to continue to admit that, that I never finished my pre-screen this season. So there are going to be some real surprises for me at the end. I've got an even bigger surprise for you. (gasps) Every time you say that, I forget. So it's like new news to me. Maybe this is where we are in life because I had completely forgotten the twist of this episode that Garrett is married. Mm. I didn't see it coming. In my most recent watch, I couldn't have predicted it to save my life. And when he said it, my jaw dropped. So did Mary Jo's. It sure did. So he like through the whole episode, he seems really nice and genuine. Like I knew something was coming because like he seemed like a really nice guy. Something was going to happen here. Right. The fact that he was married was not what I expected it to be. Mm -hmm. I kind of was expecting that he was going to be a jerk when he comes back into the hotel room and he has like the coffee and probably beignets or donuts. He brings them back in. I was like, he's going to be a jerk. Like he's just going to tell her, could you just like get dressed and leave now, please? So I expected that when he was married. I was like, (gasps) so on that note, I had that jaw drop. I did Mm -hmm. remember that this was sort of like a goofy episode with Suzanne. I couldn't remember what the goofiness was when she ripped her wig off my jaw also dropped Uh, yeah (laughs) so those were my my two general reactions to this episode where 
surprised me. I've seen this episode and it still took me by surprise. Isn't it nice to still be surprised by I love a surprise. Well, I only have one more general reaction, and that was about the room situation. I just had some thoughts. So Tell me. Wait, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so it's just so stupid that someone wouldn't automatically just stay in the room with Anthony. Like, he had an extra bed. What? I get this whole, like, what they did this early, like a season two or whatever, whenever Suzanne and, it was him. Suzanne and him, mm-hmm. a design expo again, I think, mm-hmm. wasn't it? And they had this whole, like, appropriateness thing. And so I felt like we had been there, done that. And yeah. I thought we had crossed that bridge. Like, who do they think's peering in these who rooms? Who do they think is Even paying they attention? They're, they're in New Orleans. Their rooms were connected also. So they could go in the lady's side and walk through to Anthony's side, and no one needs to know they're sharing a room. Bur- Bourbon Street is literally Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like, so true. What do they think is going it's to... It's so true. So there's that part. That's but, the least of people's concerns about what's going on in those rooms. Exactly. And then this like whole passive aggressive, yet a little aggressive fighting over space among the ladies in the hotel room. I just wanted to say that's a real thing. Yeah. It's a real... That was real, real. And from the first second you ever... I think the first time we ever went to a hotel, and it was literally just us. We were senior year of high school. We stayed down in Panama City, and it was like a battle royale fight of the death. Oh, no. It has kind of never changed, and it always brings out the most interesting side of your friends' personalities. Uh, And, you know, the people who think they should, they just automatically have X room or right. bathroom or the people who are always nice and they're like, I'll just sleep under the kitchen. Right. <laughs> but they're secretly pissed off. They're the really mad about it. Yeah. That's me. It's, That's the me of the group. I like to think that I've probably rotated and been everyone at oh. some point, including being an only child. So there is a part of me that oh, that's true. understands the Suzanne thing. I'm like, there's open space. It's mine, right? Yeah. But you know what? You get that beat out of you. And it should have been beat out of me. Yeah. Anyways. We went to Vegas one year with friends. And my friend had like a timeshare situation. And so she was going to help us sort out the rooms. I was just like, Kyle and I were married. This was age, like, I think it was our anniversary, maybe. It was our first trip away after having kids. It wasn't our anniversary, but our first trip away after having kids. I remember this trip. So I... I didn't even want to think about what room we would get or how we would share this condo. And I just flat out said, we're just going to get our own room so that I have control over what space I have. Because I knew I was going to feel entitled in a way because it was a trip that we had planned for us. So that felt like the safer way to deal with it. But I've definitely been, I, we've shared a house before we ha- where we had to rock, paper, scissors for who got the room upstairs and who got the room downstairs. And the people who lost were very not happy about losing. Um, so it is, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. I try to coordinate all that before we leave so that there is minimal discussion because, you know, I don't love the conflict. And once we get there, I'm going to end up on the floor because I don't want to argue anymore. I like watching the conflict, though. So if you like right. to watch the conflict, not only this is great. Obviously, we have a podcast about it. But the reality TV show Summer House oh. in Winter House is also a place where they really throw down and people get unnecessarily angry. And I do think it teaches you a lesson like, hey, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. So. I think the lesson in all of this is sort out the logistics before you go. Have the hard conversation before you get there so that when you get there, you don't have the awkward. There will still be some awkwardness because someone's still going to make a petty comment about how they got stuck in that room. Right. But you can be like, sorry, we played rock, paper, scissors three months ago. That's right. So speaking of stray observations, would you like to cover some about the episode? (laughs) 
So I had something that struck me as a plot hole or a potential plot hole. Okay. Um, but maybe it's not. It's just maybe a little too convenient of this episode. I'll just give it to you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Garrett uh, was framed. So Garrett's the guy, the married man. He was framed as someone Mary Jo would be comfortable enough to bop off with. Someone that she's had in multiple ways. Someone that she's had many interactions with. They said something along the lines of like, this is someone she's run into at all these conferences or meetings. We've not really talked about Design Expo, though, in any sort of consistent way. Mm -hmm. We had a Design Expo back in season two, which we talked about a minute ago, Stranded. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mary Jo and the others had the flu. So -hmm. they weren't out bopping off with anybody. Um, And then... We haven't talked about another design expo, but in this episode, Charlene set up Garrett as like, oh, you know, he's that lighting fixture rep that Mary Jo always chats with at these meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just don't know what meeting she's been chatting with him at because they've not been at design expo. Right. The only other one I can think of is the one where Suzanne burned down the house. That was, yeah, that was not Susan design burned. expo. Oh, that was design house. design house, something like that. I looked it up because okay. I thought about that too. Okay. I thought about that. Too. And even in that case though, if that had been a design expo, it wouldn't have been the right thing. Right. That's right. It, she wasn't really involved. Yeah. I, that's a fair plot hole. It's one I expect. Sure. But it's definitely sure. not something it, it's, it's random person who's always been in my life. Random brother. I always Super talk about, convenient. we've never heard about these nieces that, Yeah. Super convenient. The other thing I wanted to say, and this almost feels unfair because I'm realizing in this moment, I did not go back and take my pictures of it. Mary Jo's outfits were killing it in this episode. She had trying to get laid. The cute, maybe she had the cutest green suit outfit. She looks so in the hotel room, and she's just so petite. Everything Mm -hmm. fits her so beautifully. But it was like wide leg pants and a pussy bow top. Well, wasn't expecting that. Sorry, that's what they're called. Like the big giant bow up here. She was wearing that. And then she wore a really cute little black dress at dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, To your point, though, when they gave the presentation. So after she had her time with Garrett, her presentation outfit was very, like, that's what you're giving a presentation in after you've had all these cute outfits leading up to it. She just wasn't in the right headspace. She was not. But she looked fantastic in this episode. I wanted to mention that. Very nice. Uh, weird to me that Suzanne made a big deal about Charlene leaving Olivia with Mrs. Philpot for a few days. She's like, kind of was like browbeating her a little bit. You oh, leave your kid. Yeah. I just was weird. She's just trying to get rid of Charlene so they could have extra space in the hotel room. Oh my God. That's exactly what was happening. <laughs> she was trying to guilt her. So she felt bad enough to stay How home. Did I not catch on to that. Cause not- I'm like Suzanne. <laughs> <laughs> not weird. She's trying to leave Anthony behind. Yeah. On right. brand. Right. Y'all are playing checkers. I'm playing chess over here with Suzanne. There's a long game to everything. (laughs) There you go. Is it we also slam for me? (laughs) I'll take it. Is it weird that this is so close to the Giselle episode? And it's like Julia has no understanding that everyone wants to cut loose a little. She just no. I got so many notes for Julia, but we'll get there. Oh, that's an interesting observation. She's like, just calm down. Everybody just relax. Right. We're in New Orleans. It's nothing special. Right. It's not the biggest party city in the world. Exactly. What other strays do you have? I have one more. I have a cut line. Um, In the opening scene, after Suzanne made her entrance, they discussed what you just mentioned, Olivia's care plans. And after Mary Jo said, too bad, Kimasabi, this was cut. You know, I never knew what that meant. In this case, it translates as lazy, inconsiderate white woman. 
Uh, Suzanne, I don't want to hear another word about this. Anthony, about this. Anthony is going with us, and that's all there is to it. New Orleans is a big city, and in that big city, there's got to be one more hotel room for one more person. And then that helps transition to the scene where they enter the hotel room, and Suzanne is saying, oh, yeah, New Orleans is a big city, lots of hotel rooms. She was answering what I assume was probably Julia saying, there's got to be one more hotel room. So it wasn't like like a Dawn commercial broke in the middle. Exactly. Correct. So it wasn't the worst cut in the world, but it was sort of a nice transition. Okay. Well, I have one more straight, too. Okay. At 7 minutes and 53 seconds, Suzanne and Charlene run off to have an amazing time, hanging out in the French Quarter, drinking hurricanes, going to voodoo shops. Why are we stuck with the two boring ones? Because <laughs> I can assure you their adventures would not have been as exciting as they sounded in retelling. <laughs> but you're correct. That was super boring. Uh, But that is a perfect transition, which I'm sure was not intentional at all on your part, into what I'm going to call a Nikki's Nola sidebar. And actually, just a stop. I've got actual music. (laughs) It's a sidebar. Nikki's. Sidebar. She's got a keyboard looking for a reward by digging deep in the obscure, taking us on a detour. What you got? Nikki. Nikki sidebar one of the downsides of us not recording video while we do this is that I will never be able to show the people your Russian dance that you do to that song well let's not be mean to Russians it lo- it's what is that dance called though where you have the person with the hands together that thing that thing yeah it's inspired it's not being mean to the Russians you're inspired by them I can't help it it feels more like a meerkat to me. Oh, this is the third meerkat reference you've made in like three days. That's true. What's the deal with meerkats? meerkats? I love Do them. Do you have a pet meerkat? Did you get one? I did wear a meerkat t-shirt earlier this week. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe they've been just on the brains. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are they always on the brain for you though? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but this What's up? A, this isn't about meerkats. This is not about meerkats. This is about what you were just talking about, which is Charlene and Suzanne's sightseeing adventures around New Orleans. Like you said, hurricanes, seeing the witch woman who feels bumps on your head, uh, visiting the voodoo place. So it's no secret, I think, to the people who listen to this podcast, hopefully, that you and I are very big New Orleans fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about lots of bits and pieces along the way. So um, we talked about New Orleans-specific candy. I forgot about this one until I was kind of poking around seeing what we've talked about before. But in Season 3, Episode 11, I did a little bit on Southern candies, yeah. and we talked about New Orleans-specific candy. Um, in Season 3, Episode 17, we were talking about wedding traditions, and I covered some New Orleans-specific wedding traditions. Um, we've talked about food. Season 3, Episode 20. Season 3 was a very New Orleans-heavy season. Season three, episode 20, we talked about New Orleans food. Um, you talked about bachelorette parties. You um, did a good little deep dive back into I the episodes, did. didn't you? I did. I did. If you want to talk about New Orleans, these these are the greatest sweet tea and TV hits. That was season three, episode 18. Um, and then season four, episode 20 is when you talked about your first ever trip to New Orleans, which was last year. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm in my closet. <laughs> But you're getting ready to go on two amazing trips. They're coming. It's just time. I'll shut up. It's time. Just wait. Um, So, but I don't think we've ever talked about like things you must do or like bucket list type items. Um, Let's hope not. Things weird. (laughs) 
Or buckle up, guys. Here we go again. <laughs> Repetition. Uh, but what I did was I went and looked up uh, a list or a few lists of 10 sort of not so obvious things you should do in New Orleans. And these are things I've never heard of. And I've been to New Orleans Fun. a few times. So I was thinking, what if you looked up 10 things you can't do in New Orleans anymore? <laughs> They were only available in 1991. Good luck, suckers. Why didn't you tell me to do that? (laughs) Well, I just thought of it. That would be funny. Not fun for anyone, really. Except for us, maybe. One of my favorite things to do before I go on a trip, especially if it's to a place I've been before, is to look up, like, something you can only do in that place. Like, you can only snorkel with sea turtles on this one beach we went to in Mexico. So I like to do that, and then that becomes the thing that I have to do. Because, you know, I like the limited edition, one time only, this is your only shot sort of things. Mm -hmm. So I was sort of approaching this segment like that. Like, what are some things you can only do in New Orleans? Um, so they're in no particular order. I think the last several are museums. I do think I lumped the museums together because I want to give you a list for your next trip to New Orleans, Selena. Wonderful. Yeah, we did not do museums. Well, there are some cool ones Mm -hmm. and Selena loves a museum. We learned that in our last episode. So, um, I wanted to share those. So number one is VU New Orleans or VIEW New Orleans. Um, a Condé Nast Traveler article says, previously a rotating nightclub known as Top of the Mart, the upper levels of what is the new Four Seasons Hotel New Orleans have been transformed into a major new city attraction, Vu Orleans Observatory, a 360-degree observation deck and interactive experience on floors 33 and 34. It goes on to talk about how, because New Orleans was basically built on a swamp, there just really aren't that many great views. Like everything is super flat. They didn't build up. They just built out. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is actually, so floors 33 and 34 is actually pretty high for New Orleans. Um, So you can see great views of like everything around the city. Um, There are along the way, as you like sort of go up the elevator and as you go along the the experience, I don't know, the observatory. Mm -hmm. There are some videos that trace the history of New Orleans. um, And it says that in the elevator, you're surrounded on all on three sides by ever shifting scenery as you go up in this elevator. It just sounded really cool. Um, So that's one thing I wanted to mention. The New Orleans School of Cooking, you might be interested in this. Um, Their website says, welcome to the fun food and folklore of the New Orleans School of Cooking. Since 1980, we've introduced countless visitors from around the world to the wonderful food and rich culture of New Orleans and Louisiana as a whole. So they seem to offer two kinds of cooking classes. One is really more, this is the one I thought you might be most interested in. It's like really more observation. Like they tell you stories while they make it. Oh, nice. And then you just get to eat it. Oh, wonderful. Right? Yeah, um, the that's second ideal. One, right. The second one is more hands-on, like you're actually cooking. But I it, just feel like I would be berating myself a lot when that's I don't what get I was, it right. I was sort of thinking that might be a little too... Triggering. Triggering for you. Like mm-hmm. very... You'd be really hard on yourself. So, But if you got to go and listen to cool stories and eat good food, Love I think it. you would enjoy that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, apparently, the classes... And they, so they offer classes. They also have a Louisiana general store. Apparently both of those things are located in a renovated molasses warehouse from the early 1800s located in the French quarter. Right down to the molasses. There you go. I don't know that you'll get molasses there, but probably. Anything can happen. I don't like molasses. I don't even know. I don't even know like I like it. Oh, okay. It just sounds, it just sounds right. You use it in ginger snap cookies. Okay. Uh, Ginger says that right. Gingerbread, sorry, gingerbread cookies. I'd never used it in cooking before, and I finally made gingerbread cookies. I'm like, this stuff's gross. I thought it was going to be like syrup. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. But it's sweet, good right? in cookies. That's right. Mm-hmm. 
There's that. <laughs> little sidebar in your sidebar. There you you know I like it. I'm only at number three. Number three, Steamboat Natchez. I had to look this up. It's spelled N-A-T-C-H-E-Z. I want to say Natche, but I think uh, in Cajun it's pronounced Natchez. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can ride this steamboat up the Mississippi River for a dinner buffet cruise. It also sounds like they offer dinner, brunch, and maybe something even in between. Uh, but they do lots of special parties like Mardi Gras, Valentine's. They even host weddings on this boat. Right. You can um, throw up off the side of that boat anytime you want. Anytime. Get boozy. You want. That's right. Get boozy and cruisy. That's oh, I like that. That should be their that should be their motto. You can throw up anytime you want. Boozy and cruisy. Uh because this is what you'll be interested in. I looked up the buffet. It offers things like gumbo and jambalaya and then also like salad, bread, chicken and veggies and fingerling potatoes. Mm. I would say I wouldn't be going for the food. You'd be going to ride on a steamboat mm-hmm. if that's your thing. Mm-hmm. Um they also run another boat on the Mississippi, but it's not a steamboat. Um, I, don't, I don't know how interesting this is, but the Natchez is the last steamboat to run up and down the river, according to the company. The boat, the ship itself was built in the 1970s. Um, it's modeled after a steamboat from the 1800s. If you're a boat person, some of these things might be interesting to you. This was mm-hmm. cool. The paddle wheel, the thing that pushes the boat sure. down the river, I mean, is cool looking. made of, it's very cool, made of white oak and steel. It's 25 feet by 25 feet, and it weighs more than 26 tons. Oh, wow. Um, the whistle on the boat came from a ship that sank in 1908 on the Monongahela River. Huh. And in 1976, President Gerald Ford used the boat for a campaigning trip up the Mississippi River. And so they gave him like a special, uh, like, uh, I'm doing this captain's hat. Okay. To commemorate his time on the boat. Um, And then there was a fire on board in 2022. And it gets sad. Firefighters were able to contain the fire and they were able to reopen and bring the ship back online in 2023. Hmm. So it's back up. All right. Um, The fourth one is French Quarter Phantoms. So this is the one the Condé Nast list called out, but um, in trying to find more information about it, uh, it felt silly not to call out the fact that there this is just a ghost tour there are lots of ghost tours in new orleans um this one the french quarter phantoms did have a 4.5 star average rating across lots of lists so that could be a good one um but you mentioned in your uh recap of your trip to new orleans that you went on a trip i mean on a ghost tour it looks like maybe you went on the hottest hell yeah that sounds right yeah i was gonna say haunted hell haunted okay but yeah it's hot as hell so last year yeah, that's true. Probably really was. It was awesome. The tour so, was? I, yeah, I can't say a good, because like I, mm, and I might have mentioned this then too, but we were with our friends um, and they're not always into tours because they feel like then the conversation gets monopolized. I understand oh, that. That makes sense. And so I was really nervous to take them on this tour because I was like, oh, I don't know if they're going to dig this. And they loved it. And I just really enjoyed how... More so than making it scary, he just wanted to make it make sense. And he called out the things about the city that just, like, weren't fair at a given time. Mm. Or, like, you know, um, he especially, I especially enjoyed the way he talked about voodoo. Mm. And in a way that's like, hey, stop being a-holes and maybe just realize that this is just like anything else, you mm-hmm. know, and let's mm-hmm. stop demonizing this entire group of people. Mm-hmm. I'm always down with that. And he just had like an encyclopedia book of knowledge about oh, that's the city. Cool. Yeah, it was really, it was really neat. 
So that tour showed up on another list that I found. So I'm going to link that list as well. I thought you were going to be like, and it was one star. No, 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 no. It showed up as something they recommended. Okay. Um, I think they did put yours, that one, the hottest hell tour on an adult only list. That sounds right. So there are some other categories if you're like with family or you just don't want to go on an adults only tour. Some of us are a little scaredy cat about things like that. So you might want something a little more family friendly. We had a scaredy cat with us and I could probably be classified as one of them. Yeah. Anytime I'm in the dark, I... And I don't know what's behind me in a very haunted city. I'm just a human. Not a good time. And not a phantasma or whatever. <laughs> Phantom asthma. Asthma? Oh, there you go. Ghost tours. Okay. Ghost tours. They're a thing. Um, Tippy Tina's is number five. It's a music venue in Uptown, New Orleans. It opened in the late 70s, and today they continue to host Gulf Coast-inspired music. Um, the mission of the Tippet Foundation, which was founded to underpin the venue and sort of like support it, is to support and promote the future of the Gulf South's music, culture, and heritage uh, via the Tippy Tana, Tina's venue and brand. According to Wikipedia, because I was like, what is that name? According to Wikipedia, the name was inspired by a well-known song, Tippy Tina, by Professor Longhair, who is a performer who performed there until his death in 1980. And then before they took on that name, Tippy Tina, the spot was known as the 501 Club in reference to its street address, which is 501 Napoleon Avenue. The building itself was constructed in 1912. And before it became this music venue, it was a gambling house, a gymnasium, and a brothel. Oh, so several acts have recorded live there at that venue. Um, I'm just I trying think, to imagine that day. Which day? All the those things happening at oh. one time. <laughs> yeah. Plus the nope. gymnasium. Nope, that's that's where I was like basketball and nope, we're done, we're finished and complete. <laughs> um, but there, are, a lot of acts have recorded live there. I think most people would recognize Jane's Addiction and Fish. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mardi Gras World is a place that you can visit there. So it offers a tour which, quote, allows you to see firsthand what it takes to bring Mardi Gras to life year after year. Walk through the hard work and extensive planning that goes into this grand event when you tour Blaine Kern Studios, which is the operating workshop that has created breathtaking floats for Mardi Gras and other parades around the world since 1947. So basically, you meander around this facility where these enormous and amazing Mardi Gras floats are built. And you can see them in different phases of being built. You can see different floats. Just sounded really cool. Yeah. Um, Number seven is Cajun Encounters Tour Company. Uh, So this is another one of those where there's probably like a million venues like the Ghost Tours. This one just happened to be like on the list. Um, But Cajun Encounters offers really cool options like city bus tours, walking tours, um, tours of historic plantations around New Orleans. What actually drew me in is actually something that's on my bucket list, a swamp tour, which Mm -hmm. I know sounds so stupid. On the airboats? Yes. Mm -hmm. I really want to see gators like up close, but not like too close, Mm -hmm. you know, like out in the wild. So you can flee. So I can flee, right. Mm -hmm. And like I want to be on a boat that's bigger than them. Mm -hmm. So I can just like catch them in the propeller if I need to. Oh my. (laughs) Worst case scenario. I just need the out. Worst case. In case you run across a hungry one. Right. Got it. Cajun Encounters takes you um, through the Honey Island Swamp, which also sounded really lovely. Mm -hmm. Sounds Uh, lovely. 
According to their website, Cajun Encounters is a proud member of the Louisiana Nature Conservancy, and we believe that we have a responsibility to protect the environment around us. We're dedicated to providing an intimate look at the swamp without impacting the environment or the many diverse species that live there. On every tour, you'll have the chance to see alligators, wild boar, raccoons, snakes, owls, egrets, and more, all in their natural habitat in just a few feet from your boat. That's neat. I thought that sounded cool. Yeah. All right, we're entering the museum section, I think, Selena. Number eight is the New Orleans Museum of Art. Did you mention this one last week in your segment? Do you remember? That's a great question. I, I couldn't don't remember. Think so. I don't think you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the city's oldest fine arts institution. It opened in 1911 with just nine works of art. Mm-hmm. Today it houses a permanent collection of nearly 50,000. That's a difference. It I is, isn't it? I think the reason you saw me wait that long is because in my research I may have ran across it probably and then it's like what did I pick yeah what did I right. not pick will there be a test if I had edited last week's episode before we recorded today I might have been able to answer my own question but instead I just put it right on you right here in front of everybody <laughs> just doing the best we can I don't mind. <laughs> anyway so it opened uh like I said in 1911 uh, host 50,000 artworks today. They also have a 12-acre sculpture installation with more than 90 sculptures. Um, the website says they're situated on a beautifully landscaped site among meandering footpaths, reflecting lagoons. Like, how lovely does that, that sound? sounds wonderful. Spanish moss-laden 200-year-old live oaks, mature pines, magnolias, camellias, and pedestrian bridges. Um, so I found some information on the New Orleans tourist, like tourism website that said this museum ranks among the top 25% of the nation's largest and most significant museums. And it is the premier art museum in the Gulf South region. Degas, Picasso, Georgia O'Keeffe, and Renoir are all featured in the museum's collections. Wow. Pretty Impressive. Cool. Uh, number nine is the Backstreet Cultural Museum. This museum is located in the... <laughs> Can't think of anything but Backstreet Boys. I know. I thought that, that yeah. too. It's located in the Treme neighborhood, which is the oldest African-American neighborhood in the United States. According to the Wikipedia page, the museum contains many priceless artifacts of African-American culture in New Orleans, including elaborate, brightly colored suits worn by Mardi Gras Indians in previous years and rare photos of Mardi Gras Indian gangs from the 1940s. So I feel like I can't just put that there without like looking into what that means. (laughs) So um, I found on the New Orleans tourism website again, for generations, the Mardi Gras Indians have been an integral part of Mardi Gras history. Mardi Gras Indians evolved from a bond African Americans and Native Americans shared in the 18th and 19th centuries in the South when runaway slaves sought safety among various tribes in the area. Today, more than 20 tribes are found in Louisiana. The White Cloud Hunters, the Wild Apache, Flaming Arrows, and Yellow Pocahontas, to name a few. These tribes design and create elaborately beaded and feathered costumes worn only on Mardi Gras Day and the Sunday preceding or following St. Joseph's Day. These costumes can only be worn in the year in which they are created. Wow. So in this museum, you can go see these really elaborate and beautiful costumes, among lots of other things. Yeah, that's really cool. 
Number 10, the last one on my list, is the National World War II Museum. Uh, it's formally known as the National D-Day Museum. Uh, it's a military museum located in the Central Business District of New Orleans. Um, on its website, it says, The National World War II Museum tells the story of the American experience in the war that changed the world, why it was fought, how it was won, and what it means today, so that all generations will understand the price of freedom and be inspired by what they learn. It was founded in 2000 and then redesignated by Congress four years later as the nation's official World War II History Museum. Wow. It's Smithsonian affiliated, although I do not think it's free. I think you have to buy tickets, so it's not like that D.C. Not, Smithsonian thing. Not enough affiliated. Not enough affiliated. Right. Too many miles between. Mm -hmm. So the museum was founded on the 56th. 57th anniversary of D-Day. Uh, apparently, New Orleans was a natural spot for the museum because the Higgins boats, which were critical to the amphibious landing on Normandy Beach, were designed, built, and tested in NOLA. Thank you, because you were answering my question. Which, which is which why New Orleans? Yeah, like I'm, I'm good with it, but yeah, I figured there had to be some sort of historical significance. Well, there it is. Um, and... Knows. The last thing I'll mention about it is that the museum has almost a five-star rating on Google reviews. And I just sort of looked through reviews because I was like, like, tell me more. Mm -hmm. And just like a lot of people talked about how thorough the museum is, how there are not nearly enough hours in the day for getting through the museum if you really take your time and sort of take it all in. So it does sound cool. like worth a visit. I will say that like as much as I'm not into like military history it's just my brain shuts off it's mm. not it's not that I don't have a lot of respect and all of that it's just I'm just it's like it's why I don't watch war movies oh, I just get mm -hmm. I get bored yeah so but my some of my favorite things that I've done in different places whether it was Charleston or whether it was San Diego or whatever is going on some of the carriers mm -hmm. they're fascinating to yeah. see that snapshot especially in, like a lot of it like things haven't been changed in the quarters mm -hmm. since like the 60s and stuff and or the 80s or whatever and like um I just I think it's such a slice of life I think that's what appeals to me about a museum like this like why I liked the Smithsonian is because when you go in these exhibits it's exactly that like you feel like you've stepped back in time love it and you're seeing something that, like, is hard to imagine just reading it in a book. But once you see it, you're like, oh, this is what they were saying. Or, oh, this is what they mean. Um, and I'm a little bit like Charlene, actually. I'm a little, not like a World War II history, like, lover or whatever. But war things do appeal to me because they appeal to this weird sense of patriotism that I have and can't seem to quite um, fully explain. So the museum just sounded really cool to me. Right. I'd probably visit. Right. Well, at least you didn't say something dumb, like one of the biggest shape-shifting things in the world's history is boring to you. <laughs> oh, well, it's old. It's old. I just, As there's not enough dialogue. <laughs> That's really what it boils down to. I'm like, can we talk a little bit? That's why I don't like sports. Yeah. I'm like, say some lines. They say, a, the commentators say a lot of lines. Yes, yeah, boring though. I get it. They're over here. They're running over there. We. Get you know it. what? It takes all kinds, Selena. You can like other types of museums. I'll do the. I'll do the war museums. I would like to go to this place though. I, I think you would. Once appreciate it's history, it. I'm into it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that was it. You want to? You have any Suzanne watches this week? Which was next? That's a beautiful segue into what I was about to say. <laughs> no, is it? <laughs> yes, because I was like, wait, we can't forget Suzanne watch. <laughs> So everyone knows I'm trying to be as fair as possible. I'm trying, and I want to be very clear that in this week's episode, I thought the aggression between her and the ladies felt completely normal. Very <laughs> typical designing women stuff. Nothing there except for our good old Suzanne just being 
the selfish gal she is with her space, and I totally buy that they would also push back on her, very much so in the way that they did, all tailored to their individual personalities. I do think this is another one where maybe they could have recorded this earlier in the season mm. and reorder it, reordered it. There's something about the teal jacket she's wearing at the end that looks like something similar I've seen her wear before. Uh, the only other thought that I had is that it just was interesting to me that while I love the Charlene and Suzanne team up, they paired up the two who are on their way out. Mm. And so close to the end of the season when I'm assuming some of these things are starting to be known. Mm -hmm. And that was just something that sat with me. Otherwise, I didn't have anything that I was like, hmm. But we were, we did switch our focus to Julia and Mary Jo. Yeah. Unless on the two of them. I felt like we deserved an Anthony watch on this one. What was the deal with that? That's so funny because I will tell you that in, I don't know if you all know, but in addition to some of the episodes being uh, out of order, Nikki and I do three episodes every time we meet. <laughs> and so I will tell you in a future one, I also have noticed the absence of Anthony a lot lately. And I have a note somewhere that says something like, don't make me start an Anthony watch. <laughs> Because I don't have time. <laughs> well, if you give up on this stupid Suzanne watch <laughs> thing you've got going. I'm trying to look up real quick while we're talking. One of the websites that we have does tend to show when things were filmed. Mm -hmm. I thought it was IMDb, but it's not there. Because that feels like now, this is the second time you've brought up that it could have been filmed and released out of order. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe it didn't occur to me before this moment to look that up. Uh, oh. But I can't seem to find it. Well, good, because don't prove me wrong in the middle of my segment. Show, but Come I think you're on to something. I think you might be honest, because she does look markedly different between, between a few different episodes. Yeah. I and mean, then the way they introduce her in the style, show. Yeah. It's everything. It's, yeah. I agree. And I don't know about, so I will say, like, even in having seen some of the clips from, I remember when we were early on, and earlier on in the show. So we're like in one, two, and three. And then I would see clips on YouTube or, you know, on different social media platforms. And it'd be from like seasons four and five. And just all of the ladies, I remember feeling like very like, <gasps> just because mm. they look so different. They look different. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that always like throws me when I haven't gradually been brought right. into like a new hairstyle or fashion sense or whatever the case is. A new decade. <laughs> a new decade <laughs> is also very troubling for me when I'm still in the previous decade. I get that. Anyways, we like to talk about likes. Sure. I So I know you said the thing between Julia and Mary Jo contextually was boring compared to the thing between Charlene and uh, Suzanne. Agree with that. But I did like the conversation between Julia and Mary Jo when Mary Jo was trying to like rationalize this night with Garrett and like telling her don't stay up. I especially loved when Julia said, hang from chandeliers, put on costumes, order whipped cream. Just don't give me any more good reasons. Right. <laughs> that felt so like not Julia and also Julia all at the same time, which I loved. Agreed. And then I also loved when Suzanne said a clever makeup job can conceal anything. That was after. Also um, agreed. I'm so agreed. When she tried to give Charlene the hair of the dog at the um, presentation, Charlene was just shocked how wonderful Suzanne looked after having two hurricanes the night before. But clever makeup job. That's all that is. 100%. 
I we kind of already alluded to this one, but I really like Mary Jo's facial expression when Garrett does casually drop that it's his wife on the phone or, mm. or don't answer the phone because it, it might be, be his wife. wife. It, her face is just so perfect in that scenario. Uh, the I think that the scene with the failed presentation is probably my favorite of the whole episode. There's just so oh, much. Oh, really? There's so much perfect swirl of sitcom chaos going on. Oh. Um, I don't know that the whole thing holds for me, but there are these things that do hold for me. Charlene and Suzanne are still a little drunk from the night before. I actually would have liked to have seen that played up a little bit yeah. if I'm getting really picky. Yeah. But um, Charlene passing out under the podium is pretty great. That was funny. Uh, this whole out a little bit. there's just like all this chaos. We've hey. all been there before, right? Who among us hasn't passed out a little bit? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, it can't say it's been under a podium, but I'm sure it was under something. Um, they've got like all the, the you know, there's just this chaos of wrong people in the room. The lady in the bikini coming through with samples. <laughs> um, we'll hear about that again in the episode, and then um. You know, once Mary Jo does finally spit out what's going on, the mic turns back on in perfect sitcom fashion <laughs> sure. so that she announces to the room. I don't know. I believe that the whole room would have cared, but it was it was good sitcom magic, you know. The other one that really works for me in terms of, like, it just sort of felt, this one felt relatable is when Charlene and Suzanne come through the door arguing loudly at 3.30 in the morning <laughs> over whether Lolita Dupage is a man or a woman shoving Etefei at, at, at a slumbering <laughs> Julia and Mary Jo. I, that just feels like girls trips I've like been on something before. Would, that would definitely happen. There's literally all, I, let me tell you, I've been all of these people before. I've been <laughs> Suzanne. I've been Charlene. I've been Julia and I've been Mary Jo. Okay. Um, and it just depends on what decade you catch me in. But all of these things feel true. Two drunk people arguing over something that amounts to nothing. Two people asleep and everyone is concerned about snacks. Yes. <laughs> All yes. of those things are important. Everybody gets a little hungry in the middle of the night. Absolutely. You burn what, a lot of calories sleeping. I, and you just need it sometimes. Yeah. Um, what What else showed up for you as a like? That, those are all my likes. I got one more, which is Suzanne I'll showdown. Thank you. With um Lolita Dupage. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, that goes without saying, but yes. It's just her like. truest Karen moment. Yeah. And I mean the two different Karens. First of all, I do mean the Karen is in the way we talk about Karens today, but I also mean Karen Walker from Will and Grace. Oh, yeah. It lit. I don't even. If so, I would not surprise me if someone was like, in this scene also happened. Yeah. In Will and, Will Grace, and Grace at some point. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just that whole thing was absolutely. It was just glorious. It was amazing. Yeah. She just has so much sass. Sass and like. Whatever the word is for it, chutzpah or whatever. She just has like, whatever it is, she has it. It's just so funny because we see this oscillation with her personality where it, at some point she's like a little demure and mm. in the next moment she's like a body broad, like in the middle of like a bar in a seedy part of town. <laughs> like you just don't know which one you're going to get. 
And I'm here for it. You know, it's funny you say that because I can't decide, as you're saying that, I can't decide how I feel about that. I can't decide if it gives me whiplash a little bit in a bad way or if it's that thing, you you said this yesterday, actually, in a totally different context, but like, we never know. Once we think we got you in a corner, we get something different. Is it that? Like, is it a good surprise? I can't decide. Sometimes it feels a little bit inconsistent and I love the consistency. It, it is inconsistent. And I think, but you know, I think that is just... Uh, um, also watching an 80s and 90s sitcom. Yeah. They didn't care the way they, they did. They didn't have to. They were to. just trying to whip out some episodes. Terrible way to put that. But it's true. You know what I'm saying? They're like, we got to do 40, episodes. We got to do them back to back every week. Nobody just, there's not the same care and concern. I'm actually listening to a podcast right now. It's really good. It's called Stick the Landing. And they're going back and they're evaluating, which I thought of this, they're going <laughs> back and they're evaluating the very last episode of all of these different shows, Friday Night Lights, I think, will is it either already been done or it will be done. They're looking at The Office. They're looking at all these different shows. And they're just saying like, did they stick the landing? Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that comes up, and I swear there's a reason for this, is this idea that like TV now, that matters. No one used yeah. to care. It was just a good time. But now it's like, well, did you bring this character arc around to the end for this thing that you randomly brought up in some, like, some random idea for a show you're just trying to make money versus like just trying to be much more fancy about it, much more thoughtful about it, much more considerate. Like those things have really changed. Well, it used to be that syndication was the biggest thing they had to worry about. And right. syndication happens just in whatever market at whatever time and whatever, like I know there's a rhyme and reason to it, but yeah. like it just not always in order. You know, I remember when I had cable and I would turn on TV and there would be a sitcom and you would watch one episode and then it might go into the next one because it's an hour block, but it wasn't always like the next one in the series. So I wasn't sitting there and watching a series in a row. I'd be watching season one of Designing Women and then suddenly I'm in season five to your point earlier. So you don't get to follow the story anyway. So it doesn't matter. So it's a little bit unfair that we follow the show the way we do, but also it's what we're here to do. This is where we are. I guess we could have watched it backwards, but we didn't. We didn't. Too bad. Um, what about things that we didn't like? You know what is really crazy is I had nothing. I had not a thing in this episode that I didn't like. Okay. So I have a couple of I things. have a list. I have. I'm like looking at three paragraphs. Okay. <laughs> so here are the th- This is like more about the times and less to do with the narrative of the show. Okay. okay? So Mary Jo says something along the lines um, of needing Julia to tell her she's not being a slut. I saw, like, it's so terrible. Like, first of all, I don't even like saying that word. And how terrible that's embedded in us. So I think Mm -hmm. some of that kind of thing from this episode just Mm. really didn't sit well with me. Julia is, like, extra judgmental in this one. Not out of character, necessarily. We see, that is an inconsistency that we see if we're talking about inconsistency in characters. But, you know, she said she couldn't believe Charlene and Suzanne, that she'd um, only hope the next convention was in the vicinity of a Betty Ford yeah. clinic. It's a joke. I get it. That's funny. But cheese and crackers. Charlene had one drink and Suzanne had two. I was shocked. I honestly, when she said you had, how do you look so good for two hurricanes last night? And I was like, last hour, right? Like, last night. What? Two hurricanes over the course of a night? Yeah. Does she not understand that conventions are just a party? Yeah. It's, and it's New Orleans. New Orleans. It's New Orleans. If there's a place to let your hair down or take your hair off, it's New 
Portland's. Yeah, I think the, your criticism is totally valid. I think it didn't, I mean, anything you think is valid. That's what you think, Selena. But I Thank didn't. You. You're welcome. <laughs> nice. That's my validation for you today. Thank uh, you. But I didn't think anything of it because I just felt like they needed a straight man. What mm. I think was unfortunate True. is that they could have. Anthony could have been there. He could have been something like a little more straight and narrow because he did say in the very beginning of the episode, like he was there for a couple business meetings. This is his first big adventure as part of their. So he could have just been not judgmental, but business oriented. Mm-hmm. I just think that was a misfire to not use him in that way. But probably also, I just really wanted Anthony. Well, we wanted our slut shaming coming just from women to women. I think that's you know? right. I think that's right. Well, okay. So this is the last thing. So with Julia. Ultimately, she places the blame on Garrett when we're hearing from Mary Jo a lot That's about right. how upset Mary Jo is. And we're hearing about it a lot. A lot. Which is actually part of my problem with the episode. Um, she says to her, she thinks it's noble that Mary Jo is looking for blame within herself. To be clear. I don't agree with that at all. Mm. I actually think that's not noble. I think it's nonsensical. Some sort of warped moral code that is put on women. That's what I think. And then she inadvertently, though, reveals her true feelings in what is a funny meltdown in the, on her balcony. No one cares. She wouldn't be the only one screaming, for that matter. Um, where she says she's been the only person in this entire city that maintained one semblance of decorum. Yeah. So she let all her cards be shown in that moment. And it is supposed to be funny. Totally agree with you. We needed a straight man. Completely unfair to Mary Jo. Yeah. Mary Jo got, I was going to say screwed. That's not a good choice of words. Mary Jo really like yes, got the no. short end of the stick on this one. That's right. That was really, that whole thing was just a series of unfortunate events. Oh, I goodness. would say thinking about myself in that situation, I think I would marry Joe it where I would feel like, oh my gosh, of course, finally let my hair down, didn't ask all the right questions. And for some period of time, I would self-flagellate and I'd be really mad at myself about it. And then finally, I would be like, wait a minute, I didn't do anything wrong here. Right. You don't necessarily, I, I don't know, maybe at Mary Joe's age, you should ask if someone's married, but. But you also look you for like ask. a wedding ring. Right. Come on. There's some indicators. I just think it's, if somebody is choosing to sleep with you, then I think that you, it's a fair assumption they're not married. Yeah. I think that's fair. It's not on you to be like, wait a minute. Are you married? Right. Right. Do you have two families? Do you get, like how many questions, <laughs> how many questions right, are there? Right. Uh, so what did you rate this one? Well, because I didn't have any not likes. I gave it a five out of five, and it was five out of five high-spirited stewardesses on a layover to the Big Easy. <laughs> okay, that's very thorough. Um, I didn't have anything to rate it down. I loved the concept of Charlene and Suzanne going off Love to it. do fun stuff in New Orleans. I think you raised a really interesting point about it being those two who did it. So I'll sit with that for a little while, but... Uh, it's still, it was, they were the most delightful duo to do it. Cause could you imagine Julia? She'd be such a downer. It would have been kind of cool to see her let her hair down though. We already saw that. We got That's that once true. this season. That's true. We're done with that. We're done with that. Yeah. But she should have found a jazz bar and just, uh, what was it? Giselle it for a little yeah. while. Um, and I loved the whole, to your point, I think there was some, there's a lot of judgment in there, but I did love that bit where Julia was just encouraging Mary Jo, like, yeah. do whatever you want, man. Whipped cream chandeliers. Please just go away. Yeah. Started to sound like a 90s rap song. <laughs> Smack a little booty up. <laughs> if you know, you know. 
I think that's I think that was early 2000s. Whipped cream chandeliers, <laughs> edible underwear. Uh, Luda. <laughs> Luda. If you uh, know, you know. Yeah. Um, also, he's had a very shiny week himself. <laughs> so 3.5 out of 5 is what I gave it. 3.5, Selena. Tell me more. Likes. I had a lot of likes, but I gave this one the rating of still a little drunk podium naps. <laughs> there are... Who among us? Right. There are part of... There are parts of me, I'll get it out, I'll get it out, that really thinks this is a fantastic episode. Uh, so many, the things that we've already talked about, whether it be the Suzanne and Charlene team up, Mary Jo just wanting to let loose. I think that's an important part of her larger arc in the series. Uh, we're technically out of Sugar Bakers. We're s- certainly still on the soundstage, but they gave us some aerial views <laughs> of New Orleans. I'll take it. Felt good. High highs, especially thanks to Suzanne and Charlene. But the low lows, and especially Mary Jo's continuous dwelling, it just went on far too long for me. And eventually, it detracted from the shinier moments for me. And so that's why I rated I hate it that, that way. for you. For me. I hate it for you because I thought for sure just the sheer fact that we were in New Orleans would have been enough to bring you up to at least a four. I, look, yeah, I mean, we would call it a four. Sure. No, no, you called it a 3.5. <laughs> it is what it is. And at some point, I'll have to come back and there do math. There is no changing that, Selena. No, there's no delete buttons around here. Permanent. That's right. Yeah, no, I think Permanent that record. makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. 90s things? I didn't have anything. I just had taking a cab. Oh, thank God. I was like, <laughs> did I miss like a whole bunch of things? This always feels like a test. <laughs> so will you pass? That's the question. Southern things? Uh, so I had two sayings she's pulling your leg Suzanne that felt southern to me love it I looked it up (laughs) I looked it up and the roots of it are either London or Scotland so kind of southern yeah kind of yeah um and sticks in your craw and that was we've I think we've talked about that saying before was I the only one that thought it was sticks in your crawl I do I think you're the only one of the two of us but I do not think you're the only one in the world (laughs) okay yeah, uh, I think lots of people think that. That one was also on my list, and that's how I was like, oh, crawl. Because <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what part of the South you from. I think that's right. I think that's right. I don't want it in my crawl or my crawl. I just don't want anything stuck in me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do, 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 do. Boop. Uh, And then beignets, and that's what Garrett brought Mary Jo. I said that earlier, so I guess he must have actually brought her beignets. Yes, Garrett's from Charlotte, North Carolina. Right, too. It's really important to note that. Right, too. Anthony lolls around in a room all by himself. That felt Southern. I did mm. not look up where that came from. London or Scotland, I'm going to guess. I love it. <laughs> There's just like one million New Orleans references. Yeah. I. What is it? Les le bon temps. Okay, thank you. I'm like, help me. And now I just feel like I'm being rude because I don't know how to say it. If you were drunk, it would be okay. Do you want to run downstairs and get drunk real quick and then try again? I could give it my best shot. Um, Superdome. Right. You know, so there you go. There's a lot of I was stuff. I trying to think of that earlier. I wrote down a bunch of stuff and I'm not going to say it. Jazz funerals. K. Paul's Louisiana Kitchen permanently closed so if we did do the list of things you could do in 91 k paul's would, be, Pauls on would be on there That's right and that is paul prudhomme who died in 2015 cajun chef founder of k paul's he was a celebrity chef if you look up his face you probably go oh he's on the bottle 
It's on the spice bottle. That helps. Do you know he was the um, chef at Commander's Palace for a little while, too? Oh, that makes sense. That's actually how he got his start in New Orleans as, like, how he sort of became up and coming and got to have his own restaurant. Oh, that's Look at that. Thank you for that. You're welcome. French Quarter. We get that place in French Quarter that serves hurricanes where only three people in the whole world know the ingredients. I just needed to look it up because mm. I needed to know. I didn't find that, but apparently the original hurricanes, and I thought you might like this or you might already know because I know you I like do love hurricanes. Hurricane. See, I know this about you. So it included the secret ingredient of fascianola. This is a house-made syrup of fruits and sugars. Mm. But it kind of got lost to time until a handful of years ago when the company Cocktail and Sons researched and came up with an all-natural version using fresh, sweet Louisiana strawberries, steeped hibiscus, fresh mango, and pineapple. So it's good for me. It sounds delicious, doesn't it? It's fresh and all-natural. Absolutely. So that's a thing that you can have. I want a hurricane now. Just have a couple hurricanes. Come back here. I have you, a packet of hurricane mix at my house. You can't fall asleep under the podium here, but you can under the table? fall mm-hmm. at the mic. Exactly. <laughs> that was me snoring, snoring into the mic or something. Something. Sorry for that. Something sound. was happening. And then I was just going to say, if we we're going to talk about beignets and coffee or allude to beignets and coffee, I'm almost shocked that we didn't get a do cafe du monde. They didn't just say it. Yeah. Yeah. But I wonder maybe they weren't allowed to or something. Well, they said K-Paul's Kitchen. Yeah, they said everything else. I keep wanting to call it K-Pop. That's not right. K-Paul's Kitchen. That's a more current reference, if you will. (laughs) What about references we need to talk about? Uh, I had Paul Prudhomme. Okay. You covered it. Wearing your hair shirt. This is like... Hmm. But if you need to go on wearing your hair shirt, gnashing your teeth, I'm sorry, I just can't listen anymore. That that must have been Julia. What? That's what I said. What's a hair shirt? So hair shirt. What's the deal with that? This is (laughs) this is to deliberately make your own life unpleasant or uncomfortable in a way that's not necessary, but it actually stems from like religious things. Sure. It's used by members. That sounds right. I don't. It sounds guilt adjacent. I highly doubt that it's used widely anymore, but it is used by members of various Christian traditions as a self-imposed means of repentance and mortification of the flesh as an instrument of penance. And so, so I looked my up life. some things. <laughs> yeah. I like to do it through more mental ways. Sure. The mental hair shirt, if you will. Sure. But yeah, also I hate those two words together. Hair, hair and shirt. shirt. I don't understand I don't enjoy it. it. Anyways, it's supposed to be just like probably uncomfortable and like maybe like an Angora sweater. <laughs> I don't know. Those are uncomfortable. It sounds terrible. And then also Victor Victoria got a mention. I didn't even write that down, but that's a thing. I did write it down. And then I was like, ah, I don't feel like looking that up. I mean, I know what it is. <laughs> Julie Andrews. She's Victor. She's Victoria. That's enough. That's enough. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Okay. So next episode, season five, episode 20, I'll see you in court. We'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. TikTok at Sweet Tea TV Pod. YouTube at Sweet Tea TV 7371. Our email address is Sweet Tea TV Pod at gmail.com. And our website is www.sweetteatv.com. There are several ways to support the show. You can tell your family and friends about us. Please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. And then you can visit that website for a support us tab where you can find other ways to support the show. So come back Thursday for Extra Sugar. Selena is going to talk about the world of drag. Dun, dun, dun.
or bum, 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 bum. I believe or, you mean bum, 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 that. Sorry, I can't do that. I can't do that. DJ Khaled. <laughs> no. DJ Khaled. <laughs> All I do is uh, win. I can't win, decide if that makes me sound less thirty-eight or exactly thirty. Precisely. <laughs> So, well, you know what that means. What does it mean, Selena? We'll see you on Thursday. I don't know. Bye.